0: Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. We are right in the middle of a series of messages we've called Minor Prophets Major Mission. And what we're doing is we're digging into a collection of books in the Old Testament, which are called the Minor Prophets, uh, not, not because their message isn't important, but because They're shorter books, and their scope of their audience was more narrow. Uh, But what we're trying to do is uncover the major lessons found in those books, particularly from five of the twelve minor prophets. So what you find in the messages that they wrote, the prophecies that God gave to them, are overarching themes of God's purpose for our lives, his involvement with his people over centuries. And our goal is to take these lessons and apply them to our life today. And they're, they're very, very relevant <laughs> to what we're dealing with, as we'll see this morning. Today we're going to look at the prophecy given to, to Malachi from God. His focus was on the evils that had arisen in Jerusalem after the temple had been rebuilt, we're going to rewind next week and look at Haggai, who was motivating the people to to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, the temple, as I just mentioned, is in Jerusalem. It's the center of all religious activity in Judah. And the people of Malachi's day, the ones he was writing to, had lost sight of the fact that God's mission <coughs> is for... His people to be used by him as they follow him, as they get to know him, as they walk with him, as they do life his way, as they begin to love the people around them. They had lost sight of the fact that his mission for his people is to live his way, to love the people around him so that others are attracted to him. This has been God's goal from the beginning. Ever since it went south and the first man and woman decided to rebel against God, that it brought sin into the world. Ever since that day, God's been working a plan. And what he's done is he works this plan through the people that decide to follow him and give him his rightful place in their world. So what's going on here is the people of that day, just like. Many people in our day, they've, they've lost sight of what life is all about. In fact, these people were, they were really tired. They, they were tired of waiting for God to come through with their reward. They, they, in their opinion, they were righteous. And they had been waiting just too long. They were overdue for blessing from God. And so they decided, since they'd been waiting too long, they would get theirs now. They were just going to give God just a run-through, go through the motions with God. And they were going to do whatever it took to get theirs now. They wanted their reward right now. They weren't going to wait any longer. But what Malachi does is he, he's taking those folks and ourselves as well back to God's mission for us. And God's mission for his people is to make his name great among the nations. This is what he wants to do in and through the people who decide to follow him. So if you're here and you're sorting out what it means to follow Christ and what it means to give your life to him. What happens is, you give your life to follow him, and then you have a reason to live. That reason is to make his name great among the nations. Some have identified in the scripture a golden thread of the glory of God that's woven in through the Bible. And this is what happens when you give your life to Christ, the purpose of your life shifts from me, my glory and reward to God and his glory. There's there's a major shift that the Lord Jesus leads us to 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 make as we follow him. Here's what it says in Malachi one eleven says far from the four or four, from the rising of the sun to its setting. My name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Living to God, to make God's name great, to enhance his reputation, is at the root of a meaningful life. When When you understand this, it makes total sense but but not many have discovered this have made this shift you know it's a really bad feeling when your car is humming along the freeway and then it starts to sputter and then you find yourself on you hopefully not in the left lane but on the side of the road as it's broken down that that's a really bad feeling and that the problem is that car is not doing what it was made to do, but boy, when it hums when it get when it when it's humming down the freeway, sometimes you can just really enjoy it if you're in you know especially if you're in a sports car or something like that that's you know you get a new car, it smells a certain way it runs runs great, and boy that's what that car was made to do, and we as people we were made to glorify God. This is why we were made. And when we live for ourselves, when we turn on ourselves, we we get self-centered. We don't hum. It's like a broken-down car on the freeway. We we struggle with that. What you find in Malachi is a perspective, you know, no, there is no being in all creation like God. He he made us. He he made Everything we know, he's our maker, and his name is rightly above every name. So you see in verse 14, chapter 1, For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Now, the way God is, he doesn't force you to bow to his rule. He he gives you the freedom to decide whether or not, you're going to make him your king. Now, he is the king. That's, that's a fact. And that, as history plays out, every one of us, every person that has ever been born and lived and died is going to discover that God is the king. But in this life, he gives us the choice of whether or not to follow him. That has a tremendous impact on our lives he, he wants people to bow down out of a free heart to follow him when you give your life back to God our rightful king he gives you the most crucial role in the world God's plan is to mobilize his people to carry out his mission this, this is God's plan for the world He's working through the people that will cooperate with him to reach through them to help others come to know him and follow him as well. Jesus said you find your life by losing it. In other words, you take your eye off your own reward and you decide to use all of your resources for God's purpose your time, your talent, your treasure. You, you, you put your resources at God's disposal and you live for him to do what he made you to do, to be involved in this great thing that God is doing in the world, in history, in bringing people to himself. Major part of our mission, it turns out, is to live our life in a way that enhances God's reputation. This is is what we're to do. So how how do we do this? How, How do we make his name grow greater in the eyes of the people around us? We realize that God has put us in our family, our neighborhood, our circle of friends, our workplace, to... To enhance his reputation, to make his name grow greater in the eyes of those we're relating to. And live by his wisdom and show love. And as we do that, his name grows greater. It doesn't diminish. It doesn't go south. It doesn't shrink down. But if we bear his name, if if you've decided to follow Christ, you bear the name of Christ. So wherever you go, what you say and do, the attitude you choose, they reflect on his glory. And so we keep this in mind as we live our lives. That's, that's what it means to be godly. To be godly is a person who lives a God-referenced life. So as they're living their life, they're handling this situation in this moment of time, their number one priority is thinking through, okay, what what does God want me to do here? What's right before Him? And how do I make Him look good here? How do I relate in a way that makes God look good? If you're frustrated at work, may mean pulling in the reins of natural reflexes and choose to respond in a way that honors God, helps the mission of work move forward, and pleases Him. When the kids are acting up at the store, that can be embarrassing, can it? Oh. As we help them do what's right. If we're concerned about God's glory, his name, we want to do it in a way that pleases him, that honors him, that makes him look good. If a friend disappoints us, we don't try to extract what we wanted from them or try to hurt them. But our number one concern is to protect God's reputation in the way that we relate to them, the way we treat them. Life on this earth is measured, our, our success is measured by how we align ourselves, our lives, to fearing God and living to make his name great. This is, this is the measure of our lives. So as Malachi's message to God, God's people is, or his message is, we must not make our reward more important than God's reputation. This is what was going on in his day. They they were focused on their reward. It was taking too long in their opinion. They were righteous. It was self-righteousness. <laughs> it wasn't real righteousness. But they were righteous. They were doing all the right things. They were doing all the stuff God, all the religious stuff God told them to do. They were taking care of all those things. They were checking off all the boxes But they weren't getting the reward they thought they had earned and that they thought they deserved. Last week, we saw how Habakkuk had a conversation with God. And it was unique, his writing, because he would ask an honest question that you and I would have as well. And then God would answer. And we learned a lot through that dialogue that Habakkuk had with God. Malachi does something different. He he states a charge against God's people. So he, he, he makes a charge against God's people, and then he sort of raises a question that represents the pervasive attitude of the people of that day. So he makes a charge, he raises a question, and then he answers the question and leaves no doubt about the answer. So... We, we see this in Malachi three thirteen fourteen, 14. The first example we're going to look at. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, have we spoken against you? This is, what do you mean, God? We haven't said anything against you. You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? So it's a waste of time to please God, to serve God, to do what he wants. This is the attitude in Jerusalem when Malachi was writing, and people can have this attitude toward God today. My dad uh, had the same kind of attitude toward fireworks. Because when I, when I read this and saw what Malachi was saying, I thought of my dad. He goes, yeah, you might as well pile up a bunch of money and just burn it. <laughs> yeah, that was my dad's attitude toward fireworks. And, you know, I, I think I drafted off that a little bit. I'm going to let somebody else pile up their money and enjoy their, their fireworks. But this is what's going on here. Same, same idea. It is vain to serve God in Hebrew that it was originally written in. It means worthless, futile. In other words, I don't get anything out of it. Where's my reward? Where's my cookie from doing that? You know, from, from doing what's right before God. Malachi lived in the 5th century BC. He was the last prophet to give a message of warning to Israel before the birth of Christ. His message was followed by 400 years of silence. And then Christ was born. The answer. But they had to wait a long time. They were already wearing thin on their patience at this time. Even before that long silence. They were impatient. God wasn't coming through for them And they were demanding more. This is a dangerous attitude to choose. It's a dangerous thing when we demand reward or a certain kind of treatment from God. He has given us life. He's given us all things to enjoy. And to overlook all the good that God has done on our behalf is a very dangerous place to be. And that's what Malachi is trying to communicate to the people he's writing to. It's easy to overlook all these blessings with when we're focusing on that one thing that we don't have. The kind of reward we want, we long for. It's hard to, hard to find any joy in that. Babylon B is a group who uses satire uh, to make a point. One of my friends is... His dream job would be to sit around with those guys and come up with the stuff they write. But they use satire to make a and They they poke fun at Christendom along a, a broad spectrum, across the whole spectrum. And I'd like to share with you a fake news report they created that's entitled, What Has God Done For Me? Let's watch this together. Sources confirmed Tuesday that local freethinker Jared Olson called into question the idea that God has ever done anything for him, all while inhaling oxygen and exhaling carbon dioxide. Diane has more on the story.
1: Jared Olson attends Edmonds Community College, where we caught up with him while he was speaking to a gathered crowd about the need for, or lack thereof, God. This whole idea of God is just holding us all back. Olsen said this as the membrane across his larynx vibrated to modulate the flow of air from his lungs, making his speech audible to the people listening. What's he done for you? What's he done for me? Nothing! As the people listened, their intricate air structures were instantly being transformed by the invisible sound waves into abstract thoughts in their brain's nervous tissue. Olson went on to pursue this line of reasoning further, claiming that, and I quote, Mankind has science, medicine, and mathematics to thank for its continued existence rather than an all-powerful creator for which there is absolutely no evidence, end quote. According to eyewitnesses, he made these claims as the surface his feet rested on continued to spin around the Earth's core without any input from him, all while the only known habitable planet on which he stood rocketed around the center of the galaxy in perfect formation at the unfathomable rate of 490,000 miles per hour. Brady.
0: Thanks, Diane. We understand Olson plans to detail religion's negative influence on society at a meeting next week, which is being held in the annex adjacent to both a Christian homeless shelter and a Catholic hospital. So you get a little taste of Babylon B's style. Uh, They make their point, however. That last little thing is a reference to the fact that the majority of compassionate relief efforts in the world are carried on the shoulders of Christians. Not not celebrities. (laughs) But it's Christians who God sends into the world to the places where people are hurting to make a difference. That's how you make God's name great. That, That is a very, very good thing. That's how we fulfill our purpose. Malachi Gives a picture of what happens when God's people become ungrateful. They no longer serve him with a whole heart. We get off track from the life God wants for us. We no longer fulfill our, our mission, our purpose. We get discouraged, distracted, distant from God. And we lose the vision of the life God has for us. Everyday life gets stale. We relate to our family, and we go to work, and we're not getting out of it what we think we deserve. And so it just turns stale and boring and old. Malachi gives a warning and a map of how to avoid the wrong attitudes and actions that detour us from the mission God has for us, from setting our hearts on making his name great, not a name for ourselves, but his name great. Throughout his book, He gives indicators that our reward is is most important above God and His mission. So these are indicators. It's in this little back and forth that Malachi does. He presents his warnings and indictment in a a very interesting way, and the Lord always wins the debate. So let's look at Malachi one, six through eight. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? So in other words, God's saying, I, I'm I'm a father, I deserve honor. And I'm not getting it. But how have we done that? How have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my off, off altar. But you say, How how have we polluted you by saying that the lord's table may be despised when you offer blind animals and sacrifices that not evil when you offer those that are lame or sick is that not evil present that to your governor will he accept you or show you favor says the lord of hosts the first indicator is that god gets our worst not our best if we're focused on our reward and we're wearing thin on waiting for God to come through for us. And we're impatient. Then we begin to give him our worst, not our best. This is what's happening. The people in Jerusalem had decided that it's a waste time to serve God. And offerings bring no reward, no help from him. And so they started giving God the leftovers. God had told them to bring the best of the flock to offer him. And they were offloading the blind and the sick and the lame. We, we can do this when we just go through the motions with God. To get him off our back. To sort of cover our bases. We give him the leftovers of our time, our, our talent and our treasure. God wants to get the best of our day. If that's in the morning, it's in the morning. In the night, in the night. He wants to spend time with him. Dig into his word. Get into prayer. He, he wants the best of our day. But so often we, we can run through the day without even thinking about his role in our life. And we're, we're acting like he isn't the most important factor in our lives, which he really is. He wants us to give off the top at the beginning of our pay period. But if we don't think he's paying attention, if we don't think he's the number one factor in our life, then we give at the end and there may or may not be money left to give. This is an indicator that we don't really believe God is all that important and that he comes through with the promises he's made. Giving God our worst detracts from the greatness of his name. We we would never give somebody that we love and respect a cheap gift. We give those people the best. And that's what Malachi is trying to communicate here. Second indicator that our reward is more important than God is when our commitment to family life, God's way is weak. Here's what Malachi says in Malachi 2:13 through 16. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer reward, regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say that's the indictment. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one with a portion of his spirit in their union? And was what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts, so guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. God's goal for family life is a godly marriage. A marriage that makes him look good. In fact, that's that's one of the purposes for marriage you find in in Ephesians five. Marriage is designed by God to be a reflection of the the role that Christ has with his church. It's a beautiful thing. There's a tremendous amount of beauty and power when a husband and wife play their roles well, where they love one another, serve one another, sacrifice for one another. There is a beauty and a power that shows the world around the greatness of God. And doing life his way. This is God's goal. This is his purpose. In our marriage, we may have conflict, but we shouldn't tire of making things right. Because when we do, we show the world the wisdom of God's way, the grace of God. And, and the kindness of God, the mercy of God. We don't deal out what people deserve, in our opinion. We show mercy. We show mercy. We give grace. We cut slack. We may be frustrated. And at the end of our rope with ourselves, but we stay faithful and refuse to let our heart wander. This pleases God and allows us to honor his name. Because marriage itself was designed by God and to be held in honor by all. That—that's Every one of God's people should honor marriage. And live it out because of the power and beauty there is in staying faithful in marriage and living God's way. If you're married, part of God's mission for you is to honor marriage and and aim for your relationship to make him look good and his name great. That, that adds some zing to the way you relate to your husband or wife, doesn't it? That, that's, that's a really important thing to grasp. If you're blessed with kids, as you're training them, as you're relating them every day, God wants you to raise them for His purpose. To bring them along as you serve God. To include them in what's going on. To pray together for God to, to work. To ask God to, 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 to move things forward in the kingdom together. And bringing them in and launching them out to have a heart to make his name great as well. This this is the purpose of parenting, is is to become a part of the mission, to help our kids become a part of that mission to make God's name great in the world. A third indicator of making the reward more important than God is when we put me first over serving God. We read this passage Read the first two verses of this passage earlier. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord, but you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. So this is this is what's being said. This is the attitude in his day. When we despise God, when we despise his name, when we write him off as not being important as a, and as a factor in our lives. The God who gave us life, when we consider him a waste of time, everything gets turned upside down. We, have, we, we, we adopt completely upside down values From God's viewpoint, we think the arrogant are blessed and the evildoers prosper and they seem to be able to sneak around God. They're not doing life his way and they're doing well. The Bible makes it clear that any advantage the arrogant and the evil have now is like a mirage that will dissipate in the future. So we take that in faith. A final indicator that we're making our reward more important than God is when we keep what is God's for ourselves. Malachi 3, return to me and I will return to you, says Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. God promises to bless when we put righteousness doing what's right before God over reward. This is this is his right. In fact, there is no other passage that says you can test God on this. Our finances are a direct connect to our relationship with God. They reveal our heart, and they're an opportunity to see God work in our lives. Every time we give, every time we tithe, God tells us to tithe 10% off the top. When we do that, that takes faith. And every time we do that, we, we can see how God's going to work. There is no better way to show how great God is in your life Than to give the full tithe and more. Our income, because our income it represents our life. We've given our time, our sweat, our effort to earn that money. And it seems to be the key to so much. And when we go ahead and give, God promises to bless. There are countless testimonies of God's faithfulness when you give. And many in this room who've shifted from a me first, my reward, to giving the way God's designed and the blessing that follows. Near the end of his book, God has Malachi write out his promise to those who fear him and make his name great. Our reward for righteousness is healing and joy. Malachi 4.2 says, but, but for you... Who fear my name? The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Now we're a bunch of city folks. I am. I grew up in Los Angeles. I've never seen a calf leap leap from the stall. So I thought I'd help us out a little bit. This this was written to farmers and to uh, ranchers. They would they would have a picture as he spoke. Here's what it looks like. There you go. A calf is cute. Who would have known? I I never thought of a cow as cute, but a calf, that's cute. That's fun. What, What he's saying here is, when you do what you were made to do, you hum. You hum. You have joy like that. You leap like calves out of the stall. You find joy. When we pull away from God and we decide that we're not getting the reward from Him that we deserve, it's a very dangerous place to be. There is trouble coming as we set out to live our lives. We get disintegrated. In other words, we, we, from, on the inside, we unravel. It can look great. Life can look great. The arrogant looks like things are going great for them. The evildoers looks like they're getting over on God. And, And we are torn up on the inside. But when we live for God's mission and we set ourselves every day to live in a way that makes him look good, that makes his name great, then... Life comes together, begins to be put back together on the inside over time. And then one day, it'll all be good. But between now and then, it's a process of learning to do what pleases God and letting Him do with our lives what He wants and let Him bring the reward in His time and motivate us to do His will. As I wrap up, I want to ask you to consider taking some next steps. I've described some crucial lessons from Malachi. These lessons are meant to be principles to live by. So as the band comes up, I'd like you to think through a couple of things. On the back of your connection card, there's some suggested next steps. At the bottom of the listening guide, they're there as well. Uh, These are suggestions, but I want to encourage you to pick one. Uh, my next step today is to make Jesus my Lord and Savior today for the first time. now you you may you may have been investigating what it means to follow Christ, and you haven 't yet come to the point where you 've given your life to him, but you 're ready to do that today i 'd like you to have that opportunity to just let us know we 'd love to help you and encourage you in that decision. And then another step would be to make God's reputation more important than my reward in a specific way. Maybe as I walk through those indicators, there was one that God spoke to you about. Circle that one. Circle it and set yourself to apply what you heard and what God said to you this morning. There may be other ways that that God has spoke uh, as we... we, uh, wrap up the message this morning I'd also like to mention that we have uh, a team from our network of churches that is going to Bangkok Thailand to help with um, some work there that a a friend of mine uh, is doing Tim Owens and um, I'd like to pray for them we've had some teams going out this summer uh, there's some there, one went to Chico to help a church that planted out of our church uh, there in Chico to help them with some stuff on their their new building that they got in the last couple of years. We, we have a, a team from the Alhambra campus mostly that are up there now working with a Christian challenge student ministry at the University of Chico or Univers- Cal State University at Chico. And then um, we have a Bangkok trip. We have a trip going to Germany. And later in the fall and uh th- this is our role that we're taking as a congregation in reaching out to the nations as well to make god's name great i mean we have a responsibility we we live here and i've talked mostly about ways that god uses us in our our lives our everyday lives to make his name great but we want to have a part and partner with people all over the world. Member of our church is going back to their home, members of our church are going back to their home in Central Asia. And they're there to make God's name great among the people they, they serve, where they live. And so we, we have a part in all of this. Anyway, the Bangkok trip, uh, is Roy and Barb Tutiyama and, um, Joel and Emily Berry are going on that trip. So I'd like to, I'd like to pray for them and ask God's blessing and help and success for them as they go to fulfill their purpose. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your kindness to us, your goodness, your grace and mercy and love that you poured out into our hearts. You are so patient with us, God, even when we get impatient. We wait for our reward, and we feel like we need it now, and we turn our back to you at times. And God, help us not to do that. Help us to set ourselves to do your work every day, whatever's on our plate. Help us to handle each situation, moment by moment, in a way that honors you and pleases you and brings glory to your name. That's our purpose, God. You made us for this. Help us to live it. Help us to take the steps that you've laid on our heart today. Give us the power to do that. I pray for the team. Pray for Alex Barrett, who's leading the team. Pray for Roy and Barb and Joel and Emily and the others on the team who are going to serve in Bangkok. Pray for Tim as he prepares for them. Pray that, God, you'd watch over them, that you keep them safe in their travels. That you bless them as they set out to do your purpose and to do your, your work there. And I pray that you'd help them to make connections with people across the world that uh, know you or need to know you. pray that they'd be able to encourage the believers there. They'd be able to f- find folks that, that really need you and help them come to know you. I just pray your blessing on this trip, that your purpose in it would be fulfilled. We ask for your protection over them. We pray for protection over the, from them, for them from the enemy. And hit any kind of attack from him. And we just pray that, God, you'd be honored and pleased in, in all of this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Jesus.